Hello and welcome to episode 13 of What Would You Do If... So what would you do if someone said exhibitions are a waste of money? Okay. Big, big subject today, another, another, another biggie. Yeah, yeah, certainly prevalent across our, our client base. Um, should we do the usual and give it a bit of context? Well, yeah, give it a bit of context. So I think um, for a business of a certain size, I think you get above a certain size and certainly... Um, for most businesses, exhibitions and event attendance forms a pretty stable part of most people's calendar of activity. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be that you've got one key exhibition that year that relates to your industry or sector, or perhaps potentially for the larger clients that we deal with, with multi-sectors on the global scale, um, there's practically an exhibition every month. Yeah, when we when we look at the calendar, yep. they're littered with them. A- absolutely action-packed, yeah. Um, and I think a big part of what we do with our clients is try and work with them on to maximise what they want to get out of that exhibition. Mm-hmm. Um, the starting point of this topic, I guess, I guess um, comes from maybe a frustration or an observation. Frustration, frustration and, and an observation, yeah, That we've right. made that because it naturally forms part of their calendar, they see it as a thing they just do. Um, and this isn't necessarily our clients, I think this is mo- most businesses. Mm. Um, it's a thing that they've got to do, form part of the calendar. They do it every year. And it's kind of fallen into that monotony of, of attendance uh, rather than maximising what they actually want to get out of it and thinking what they're, what they're doing, the run-up to it at the event and, and post-show, which we can come on to. Um, so I think for a lot of people, are they giving it their maximum input? So the, my biggest view of exhibitions and the way businesses do exhibitions, yeah. going back to the monotony point, is I tend to find people stay with suppliers in terms of stand builders and because changing from a stand builder and a, a designer if, if you like and designer not so much but stand builders is, is has an element of risk about it because huge yeah huge element of risk especially to the business yeah. but then that stand builders not a marketer if you like but then end up doing a little bit more of the piece of the marketing pie yeah but don't really then tend to execute the whole marketing mix. And I think that's the fat and lazy argument, isn't it? In the sense of if you've had a supplier that you've worked with for years and years and years and years doing doing the same stand build yeah. at the same show with the same colour palette, theme, creative, mm. it's going to look the same every year. But because they get comfortable and they know there's a risk attached to changing, so it's mm. not like changing even a PR provider potentially where you mess up a press release so you mess up a feature, all right, you've messed up on that one isolated opportunity and there's yeah. probably a chance as long as it's not resulted in some kind of crisis comes yeah. that it can be recovered and you can get it back on track for the next one. If you're turning up at a show and you've either got a stand or you've not got a stand or you've got a functioning electric, you've got functioning electricity and water or whatever it may be. Or you haven't. Or you haven't. There's a huge risk attached to changing suppliers there, mm-hmm. I think, on the exhibition side. So with that, people know that, therefore the suppliers get complacent, which leads to even more lethargy in the process and even lower quality of output. Yeah. So, so I think what we're working with a lot with our clients at the minute is thinking about why, why do you go to that show? Because I think when you think about the objectives that are sat behind different people's exhibition attendance, that gives light to even more arguments and more debate. Mm. So I think my naivety years ago was that everybody went to exhibitions to win business, I thought. Yeah. And more often than not, that actually isn't the case with a lot of the European clients that we work with. Mm. They typically will go to the exhibitions to close deals, sign contracts. Because the competition I mean, are there. Te- technically, I guess, it's, I guess it's sales, but it's more nurture relationships that they've had with people for years. And they're, yeah, literally yeah. Out, they're literally out getting together over a beer in the meter room or at the bar on their stand and signing the paperwork that they've been discussing for the last quarter or six months. Well, yeah. 
So it's selling of a kind, but it's not new business. If that no. makes sense. They're not trying to not necessarily. Which to which, which actually shocked me when yeah. when we went to uh, to yeah. in, to Incos actually, yeah. which is a cosmetic show in in Paris. And when we were walking around stands and we were saying, well, what's your kind of primary reason for being here? And that yeah. was the primary reason. It's yeah. 80%, 90% of their stand was about meeting existing customers. Yeah. And I suppose for a lot of people, it's showcasing new products. Yeah. It's showcasing new technologies, bringing new things to market, um, trying to differentiate, which will be an interesting one maybe to pop back to at some point. But Well, know, we do need to come back to that. Standing out against the competition in the marketplace, all that kind of things, and showing a presence in that sector, I guess, because... There's almost an extent of what we term in the UK, but keeping up with the Joneses as well. Mm. So if you're not at that exhibition, is that worse than is that worse than um, what's what's worse? Attending half-hearted, half-heartedly with that lethargy and the monotonous approach to it, or not attending at all and having no presence? Well, I think they can't not attend because, like you said, the keeping up with the Joneses is, is a massive, massive thing. And if their biggest competitor has got a bigger stand. It, it is always that because if you were if you were selling exhibitions yeah. and you were a salesperson selling, you'd be like, Oof. well, there's a little bit of chest out presence. Yeah, of course there is. Bit ego. So when we were at, when we were at Vita Foods, as an example, the front the front row, let's call it, of stands were formidable, weren't mm. they? And the three or four companies that made that up being the DSMs, the Lonzers, the Duponts, and so yeah. on of, of that kind of sector. Space. Yeah, we've got the big budgets. The big budgets, big stands, big presences. Now, if one of them hadn't been there mm. or was on row five, six, seven. How, how does that make them feel and how does yeah. that make them look so I, t- I totally understand the, the point around the position the stance of being there but then if you're going to be there do it properly I guess is what we're saying but I, but I think that there's there's an argument for no matter which size stand you've got yeah. to a point yeah. um, how to make that show successful so I think let's talk about Vita Foods because it is a, yeah. it's a good one um, we were not I don't think we were shocked but we were surprised to a point where if you'd have taken the logos off most of those stands, mm-hmm. would you have? No, I think that I think this is a, this is the wider point around differentiation. I think you know Paul touched on it in some of the previous podcasts that every, everybody claims they want to differentiate, they want to mm. lead the ground, they want to break new ground, they want to stand out. Which at an exhibition, I think when you've got everybody side by side, is really a really interesting kind of way of looking at that. Yeah. And some of the some of the exhibitions that we go to are huge, so you don't have the for, the fortunate situation of seeing them all in a row. No. Um, you know, it's too spread out and so on, but. Vita Foods are using that with it as the example. Literally, they were side by side, weren't they, in rows of ten by ten virtually the different yeah. companies that were competing in that mar- in that marketplace in that sector. And they all have booked years and years in advance. That you, you, well, they, they, I think they secured virtually twelve months in advance yeah, for yeah. that one because um, I know um, our clients that were there were already discussing the space for the next year and some of the complexities around the way they were changing the layouts and so on. Yeah, because they're going to have second tier four. Yeah, yeah. going in from what I recall. So um, the discussions are already on the way there. You'd say. Um, but in terms of that differentiation, as you say, if you strip the logos off the mall, would, would anybody that differentiated? There were different types of stands, were slightly different yeah, approaches in design, but they were all quite I didn't, similar. I didn't see, again, I always compare it to business to consumer shows that yeah. I've been to. So you, yeah. I, I'm going to use one for a really good example, yeah. which was the, um, you know, the, the Body Expo. I, oh, I, yeah. I had to go there for some client research about three or four years ago. Not that I would go with my physique <laughs> and uh, take, take my top off, shall well, we say? The one in Birmingham? Yeah, the one in Birmingham. Yeah, one, like yeah. massive body expo. Yeah. What the one thing that you get from that show is very experiential, mm-hmm. and that's one thing that, that going from to Incos to um, Gulf Foods yeah. to um, Vita Foods. Yeah. The one thing that's alarmed me is there's no emer- in fact there was one stand if you remember which was like was it like 
yes, I do. I know what you mean. Yeah, there was I, one. I the stand, so yeah. There was one stand yeah. which was which was an immersive experience. It yeah. was experiential. Yeah. You got taught through the journey as you yeah. went through. Yeah. And actually, it's the one stand, funny enough, yeah. that I've come away and remember. Bright pink. Bright pink, yeah. Isn't it? So, I mean, it's a, the colour palette even alone, it, it stood but out. Even, but it? even where it was, as yeah. you walked in, it wasn't in the main arena. It yeah. was it was, yeah. it was, was where it was. Yeah. But I even remember the brand story, the balls, and yeah. how it explained it. And it was really, really simple yeah. for, for someone to and explain it. the team that were the stand were slick, weren't they? Yeah, well? really, really good. Slick. Really yeah. good. But... You, they took you on a journey and by the time you finished that journey you were like right now I fully understand where it was yeah. and I I think that looking at how the business to business um, consumer is changing or yeah. business to business buyer is changing mm-hmm. what we talked about in previous podcasts is they want that experience and that explanation that, that story that we've, yeah. we've talked about before yeah. and I think it's I think the more shows that we go to the more I'm going god you are missing a massive opportunity why would you not yeah I think if it, I think it, it comes back to what's the purpose of them going, mm. and I think that's where the different approaches may vary. Yeah. So if, if you're going just to sign contracts, I, I still don't think there's anything wrong with if you're trying to educate people about your product or service offering to make that an experience, yeah. to make it feel like a personalised experience mm. as well. So I've seen people do it on different stands where they've had kind of zones dedicated to certain markets, products, areas of what they're trying to develop, which yeah. create that kind of foot flow of a direction of the way you go around the stand and the journey they take you on. There's nothing wrong with that. But if your primary purpose is there to sign contracts, then all right, get a bigger bar and a bigger meter room, that's fine. But most people, I think the experiential side could make a huge difference, a huge difference. Regardless of size of stand as well. Regardless of size, regardless of anything, it's just thinking a way around to present your products or services in a different way yeah. that makes it that more immersive, you feel like you're in their world momentarily whilst you're on that stand and on that plot. Yeah. You, you enter into Lonza's world or DSM's world or whoever it is that we're talking yeah. to. And I think... Um, some of the use of the video work was nice that we saw at Vitafood. It was. In terms of like huge graphic video panels, that really brought it to life and made the stands really pop. Yeah. But then to the same extent of once you've watched the video, where where do you go next or where were you directed to? Or And for most stands, I think it was left in a, quite a find your own way, unless you bumped into somebody who happened to work in the company really who would have a chat with you in a quite classic style, I would say, about products, services, mm. developments, whatever it may be. Um but as you say, yeah, the experiential side and that kind of no, nobody's in B two B, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm yeah, very few. I've seen get it right. Mm. Um, I'll be interested to see in the shows that we we'll go to later on this year to see if anybody's kind of capitalising on that as well. But I think it's what. Let's just take it back a like a step, if you like, to pre-show activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think what what I tend to find, and we, we were laughing about this actually mm-hmm. when we were at Vita Foods, yeah. all the very generic. We're here. We're at the yeah. show. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like come and see us at this. Yeah, just noise. just noise. noise come and see media. us at the stand, and there was no no strategy behind it. There was no benefit to come and see us, and why you should come and see us at the stand. What we're doing, what we're promoting, it was. Just it lots, was of people, lots of people in branded t-shirts from various companies saying, "We're at Vita Food." Hashtag Vita Food photo. That's it. Team shot. So that was a tick tick box. Absolutely tick box. I couldn't agree more with that. I think that is it. It's a tick box exercise. So we're going to a show. We should have a social media presence. What do we put out there? Well, let's put out. We've got a team on stand. Come and see us. And as you say, why, 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 why would we come and see you? Is there a reason for me to come and see you? Um, mm. Who even are you? Sometimes it might be, it might be the case. Yeah. And um, just because you're at the shows together, um, I would query whether that's, you know, is that mm. enough to warrant going and seeing somebody? It's nice to have a chat. Mm. But most people at these shows are pretty busy. Yeah. Because I, th- I think when you, when we've been doing research on, when, obviously, because we look at exhibitions for various clients, you look at all the pre-show activity that goes on online. So you think that yeah. I would go online and go, 
where's the best restaurant in Geneva, for example, what, um, how to get to Keisho, or, you know, there's loads, if you, if you look on, online, yeah. of all the activities that goes on, and how you could jack in to that content, yeah. or yeah. have a dedicated PPC campaign, which no one really ever thinks about. No. I mean, we do it for a couple of our clients yeah. on other shows, but there's such missing a trick there in terms of the stop selling, start helping element of, well, well, also they're going got, to K-Show for a reason. Audience of, I think especially when you've got the captive audience there, that you know that people are searching online for things like hashtag Vita Foods, hashtag Supply Side West, whatever it may be, and they're looking for that presence. You've got people at the exhibitions primarily wanting to go and meet people. Mm. Why, why wouldn't you tap into that audience group and that, that group of people? Yeah. But when you, you, know, you click on the hashtags and you see what people are posting, it's just littered with that, as I call it, noise again of, we're here. You're like, okay. And I think even their email <laughs> communications, the way they communicate to the clients or potential clients or customers before they go to the show. Yeah. From what I've seen is, again, a very generic tick box yeah. exercise and there's no... But if you want to drive footfall to your stand, and that's the critical thing, you want to drive footfall to your stand, mm. what have you done to do that is what I, I would argue with most clients when we discuss these kind of things. What, 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 what efforts have you made to encourage people to your mm. stand? And if it's a nice video wall, a well-lit stand... Even even a bar to an extent. I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the drinks that are on the stands have have an effect, and people certainly get pulled in for those drinks events and stuff like that for a free drink. But they don't really don't do any post. I mean, like no, if but you think focus about... focus on the focus on the fact that free stuff. People like free yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. People love the, the pens, the lanyards, and all the all the really base level stuff. Take it up a level in the B two B world where you can be, get really personalised, sophisticated content together mm. now or assets or giveaways, but on a different level. You know, we've, we've done it with personalised... Water bottles. Water bottles, sustainability stuff. We've done it with... Um, phone cases. Phone cases, tote bags. We've done it with all sorts of things. And I think that if you can tie in this personalised theme as well, so rather than it being a generic BDB uh, phone charger or something like this, yeah, yeah. if you can make it Chris's BDB phone charger or photo of something that's pertinent to you and you can print that at the stand there and then and we you know we've got the ability to do this with contacts and clients of ours um you then pull in somebody with a completely different offer and it's something that makes them feel special something you know they want or need in terms of it and that's what i would always say with giveaways don't don't go entry level stuff you've got to think about it a bit more sophisticated yeah well then promote that and get that get that out there and i I guarantee the footfall to your stand especially with something like if it it takes a couple of minutes to prepare the personalized aspects of it they're stuck on your stand they're stood there speaking to you they're in a queue i've seen queues queuing up for these things when you get it right which gives the salespeople an opportunity to go and speak to them and and speak to them and you know that all that kind of stuff is footfall it's new business it's new contacts but there's an element of that for most people regardless whether you're signing contracts and and i think even even pre pre pre-show really really Homing in on who you know is going to be attending and who you really want to target at that show yep. to get a, a really concentrated list of people, right? We know if these come to our stand, yep. we'd have a and we can convert one of them, it'd be a, a, a really good show for us. But a lot, a lot of it also, you know, from the from the, the PR and the media and the comm side of things is more around the editor relationships. So getting editors to the stands to do interviews and to do pieces to camera potentially or whatever it may be, um, so, to listen and learn about new products, new services, and all that kind of thing that'll come into life. So in terms of the number of editor, editor meetings and, and um, uh, kind of uh, points you can get in the diary with those editors, that's quite a key stat normally. Oh, I've yeah. managed to get 10 meetings, I've managed to get 20 meetings. Normally that's done through pretty generic phone calls and quite a, you know, would you like to speak to us? Not as engaging, yeah, yeah. So if you can generate that level of engagement again and attract them and pull them in, I guarantee it'll work the same, exactly the same way. Because I know a stand that we, we quoted on recently, I mean, it, it didn't get approved at the end for various reasons, mm. but it had... Um, a little auditorium with 12 
little seats in it, and that was there to so they could put their own content program together. They yep. could record that content. Yep. They could do all little roundtables, discussions, yep. which I actually thought from a really nice, really nice. Yeah. I mean, they didn't go with it at the end, and I think they probably will go with it because they do sixty shows. So I think they'll go with Sometimes it eventually. Planting the seed, isn't it? Yeah. As you say, but to, to get anybody to change stand suppliers, then to change what they do mm. on that stand is in sort of phase two sometime because they might want a bit more. Uh, consistency across that kind of experience and to do something like that very forward-looking really good definitely would have got loads of traction but it takes a bit of time and you could do facebook live you could do loads of things well i think you've you've touched on an interesting point there in terms of the exhibitions the opportunity you've got to produce content massive it's it's endless so but again not notoriously what people do no so the fact you've got most of your suppliers most of your competition key members of your team together from a global scale, flying in from the US, Asia, Europe, potentially to these shows, all in one space, which you very rarely get, plus the editors there, plus new business prospects mm. there, you name it. And it's so easy these days to quickly capture and create content. I'm thinking pieces to camera, I'm thinking vlogs, I'm thinking blogs, yeah. live blogs, Facebook live. Which gives you, you an opportunity it. to tag people in after the show. During the show, yeah, whatever yeah. you're doing. Um, but how many people are doing that? You know, we've talked about podcasting live from various exhibitions, and that's certainly on our own agenda to do that more of that. But in terms of capturing, who, who very few people won't want to be on camera unless they're not media trained and they're not comfortable mm. with it. That's different. But most of the people, the senior people at businesses, are probably media trained now and pre- if, are pretty comfortable in front yeah. of camera. And if not, you should be. So yeah. that's something different. Um, but the opportunity to do a nice piece of camera, maybe while you're at the show, what's the key thing you're looking to get from the show? And we could do ten interviews at the next show we go to. We end up with a nice bank of content there of what what K show means to somebody. Or well, you've got a K show show reel. You've got a K show reel, haven't you? Yeah, really nice show reel about our attendance there with the little snippets of pieces. Well, I think more important is, I think when you do an interview or a podcast, you get more information out of a of a client because you kind of help in their business as well as. That's what I mean in terms of who wouldn't want to be on it. Because you say it's featuring on a nice little show reel from a credible offering or whatever it may be, but even. Other than you see a lot of build and strike down time lapses that people do, but that's the classic, I would say, exhibition video that somebody will produce. Yeah. You know, okay, nice to have. But in terms of creating that kind of showreel and that presence um, of the activity around it, and so far we've you know, loosely touched on, that's kind of, I guess, pre and during. Yeah. And post-event. But the post-event, I think that... It's that, funny, that, I think very little, again, from most people. Yeah, but I think the, the one thing I just don't, what I don't get is... Is that they won't, won't they won't then market to that audience then for another nine months until coming up to the next show potentially? Yeah, unless they've got the next show coming up. But I think this is what I think for the bigger companies we deal with, their focus immediately switches to the next one. Yeah. So it might be Vital Foods, Supply Side West, FIE, depending on the nature of the client and the products and the portfolio and so on. Because they're so big independently. I think the focus just switches onto mm. the next thing and they jump rather than thinking, okay, they've the contacts we've built here, the content we've developed here, not just waiting until the next anniversary or every two years or whatever the show is, but how do we utilise that content and those contacts into the next show? But I even think, again, just taking that slight little step back to drawing and, and, and then going into post-show, I still, still absolutely astounds me to this day how little data people catch on sand. Yeah. I know they have the little bleepy thing that... That, 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 that sense for the organisers, doesn't it? That's yeah. the organisers. So, like, in former, they did that, didn't they? They did that their shows. And no, but you can, you can swipe up. But you have to pay for that as an, yeah, yeah. an, an added extra. Yeah. But with modern technology now, I know we've... I, we always give Showpad a, a big shout-out and hearing, but 
for me, it is the premium, yeah. premium yeah. product. The kiosk product. functionality on Showpad. So for people that don't know, Showpad is kind of like a sales enablement tool where you can group your content and present it in an engaging fashion. Yeah. And people can almost, in a non-linear way, work the way around the content, I would yeah. say. So if you go to a stand and you're a... Um, head of sustainability for a chemicals company, you can either go through a chemicals route and find your content or a, you know, a sustainability route or whatever it may be. And that's kind of the point of it. You can work your way around the content. So you don't necessarily need somebody to drive it. It should be intuitive that you can find your way through mm. to a personalized bank of content that works for you. But, I mean, but for, the, for the, um, the customer or the client who's running the, the exhibition stand, the data that they then get on that, that person yeah, when they when open. they view the content and they build a little collection and send it to themselves you have to enter your details there anyway but then you've all as you say rather than just getting an email or a scan of a badge mm. to say this person came to your stand you've got this person came to your stand viewed these pieces of content uh, dwelled on this piece of content sent themselves this piece of content yeah um, forwarded this on whatever it may be so immediately you've got an idea of who they are where they're from what they're interested in what products they're interested in Maybe they've made a product request. Even oh, that and what more relevant content to send them to what, to what they read and what they didn't yeah. read. Yeah. But, you know, an interesting point around the data capture side of things. The, a lot of marketing teams, I think, at the exhibitions, their KPI is number, number of badges, let's call it. Mm. As in number of scans captured because... You know, the exhibitions we've been to, when you're speaking to people about if they had a good or a bad day, yeah. quite often I've heard people say, great day today, we've got 270 scans. And you go, okay, okay. like, what's next? Yeah. And, you know, some clients will have this better than others and some companies will mm. have this much slicker than others, I'm sure. But I'd be really interested to understand of the 270 contacts they've captured that day, the capture becomes an interesting word at this point. What what are they doing with them? Mm. What are the next steps in that journey? How does that then become a lead? Well, how does it become a, from a scan to even a marketing qualified lead? Mm. I would say because it's not a marketing qualified lead in my mind. But no. you know, somebody's been to your stand, especially if you're giving freebies away or there's a bar on, they've probably come for that. So, yeah, yeah. how does it even make its way to a marketing qualified lead, let alone a sales qualified lead? Because mm. um, for me, jumping on somebody or starting bombarding them with content just because they've walked past your stand. Is not the way to go. Isn't the way to go. So, you know, I can't speak on behalf of uh, clients or prospects. They're only the ones we know about. And ours tend to get it nicely now because they're taking about advice. But in the sense of what is the next step for that would be really interesting to understand and think about for yourself. And I do think that's somewhere where the post-show, if that client's not engaged them a month or two months after, as typical salespeople do, it'll just go cold. You've got such a short window, haven't you? Yeah. You've got a short window to strike, and that's where the planning before you go to the show, in terms of what your post-event activity is going to be, is critical. Yeah. So how how do you um, how do you intend if you capture some data? How do you intend to follow up with that? And that should be done, and there should be a flow and a journey built around that. So one week post show, one month post show monthly after that or whatever, whatever you choose to engage with. But I think that's where the, the, the content that you create at the show, the pain points of potential customers or current customers really, really does become invaluable then because you're actually sending them relevant information yeah. that's, that's relevant to them. Yeah. Rather than going into the direct sell point, it's right, you've, you're on our podcast, you're on our video, yeah. here's three other leaders in that area that sure. attend. And also I think I've seen quite a lot of exhibitions do follow-up webinars on yeah. key subjects, which I actually think is really good. Yeah. But then I don't understand why 
Customers don't. You know, the, yeah. the, the clients who run the exhibition no, stands do that. There's, there's so many robust ideas around, and this is when you know, the topic's interesting, if people wasting the money on exhibitions or are, are exhibitions a waste of money? No, but they could certainly maximise a much greater yeah. return out of them. I mean, if you're not, as I said, if you're, they, not, if you're not... They are wasted, they are, for me, they are wasting money if they don't maximise, especially if you're a big, sta a big stand. You know what I mean? I think you have to work harder for your, for your money as a smaller stand. Yeah. But arguably... They probably work harder because they've not got the presence. But I think it's the technology and the way the market's moving and with different marketing strategies and even some kind of guerrilla experiential tactics, yeah. it's making it easier for the smaller people to gain the bigger boys' market share. Yeah, yeah. And that's if I was a, if I was a big big player in an industry at the minute, I'd be more nervous that the ankle biters, as you call them, are become uh, slowly creeping yeah. towards the knee. Could you, if if one of the smaller stands put a really great experiential experience on? Well, it'll it'll gain a damn sight more traction than a video wall or whatever else it may be. Well, if if if, if a smaller stand put in and a post post event mm -hmm. while the event's on, so say for example at like K Show and in, in Dusseldorf and one of the smaller stands put on a really good drinks event with yeah. with I don't know a good speaker on, I don't know what it might yeah. be in a hotel. Yeah. They could potentially be the winners of that show because they've got loads yeah. of content. I remember when again I'm just totally slightly off subject, but it, it does bring it back. When Guinness got priced out of yes. sponsoring the yeah, rugby, yeah. rugby World Cup, yeah. so then they spent a quarter of what the sponsorship would would have cost on TV advertising campaign, really good focused social media, yeah. and they won at, in terms of when they, all the social media and coverage came out at the end. They had despite the perception that they've lost in a way, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, going to an exhibition is is not just all about having a huge stand. It always helps, of course it does. But getting your marketing right pre, during, post show yeah. is where you come into your own, and I think that's where you would win over the big yeah. boys, if you like. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Good. We're leaving it there. We'll leave it there. Sounds good. Right. Thanks very much, everybody. So you can find us on all the usual channels. Uh, all the podcast links are available on uh, Anchor, but I think we're across all platforms, into we iTunes, platforms. Spotify, and so on. Um, hopefully you're enjoying uh, the episodes. Feel free to check us out at b2bknowledge.com for our knowledge hub to help you navigate the B2B marketing landscape. Uh, and finally, uh, the videos are on, so you should be able to find us on YouTube as well if you'd like to see our faces while hearing our lovely tones. Yes. Uh, on that note, speak to you next week, and thanks very much. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Bye.